TLC is teaching the world about low-value dudes with their hit single, No Scrubs. Pop sensation Lil Nas X is about to be born in Lithia Springs, Georgia. And President Bill Clinton is days away from being sued for providing internationally false statements, quote unquote. Today, we go back to April 7th, 1999. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Wayback Recap, a podcast that obsessively explores all things past, from our favorites in TV and film, to the alien egg, a plastic pod toy that contains the fetus of at least one space invader in a sticky, jelly-like substance. The egg was a big hit with kids, and over 7 million were sold over Christmas in 1999. Kids loved the gooey toys, and it, and it didn't take long before kid culture created many conspiracy theories around the toy. So much so, there's an entire Vice article about it. Theories like... My friend threw the slime in my hair and it had to be cut out. Someone in my school set fire to one. It stank. And my personal favorite, I remember hearing that one came to life and I desperately hoped mine would do the same. Brandon, do you remember these toys? I feel like I do. This is prime me playing with toys. I'm going to watch the video. I'll- sure. It's really oh, long. <laughs> it's an informative docuseries. About the alien egg. Oh, no, I'm just cut. I'm just gonna cut to the pictures of it. Oh, yeah, good call. Um, I definitely remember this toy. I have always been into like slime toys or their adjacent toys. Even though my mom did not fuck with that shit, I still love them on the inside. But I don't think I ever had one. I don't think I ever had one. Not without lack of trying. Probably. I think mostly it was like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I didn't have one. They strangely look like Roger from um, The American Alien Dad. Inside the Egg does 100% look like Roger from American Dad. That's like a, a good brown call. Roger? I love the idea of kids being like, hey, if you take two of the, of the aliens, you smush them together, you put them in the pod, they will procreate and create alien babies. Like, the idea that kids thought <laughs> the toys could procreate is really funny to me. There were tons of toys, though, back in the day that had things to do, like, with those puppies that birth other puppies. Or I shouldn't say that. Oh, dogs that yeah. birth puppies. Like, those toys. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's tons of things that used to lay eggs. There was something that was, like, a weird-looking thing that used to lay eggs that would become babies. Holy shit. Even, I mean, the Cabbage Patch Kids, even, really. That's funny. Yeah. What's that teaching our kids in society? I think this all just comes back to, like, how we need, like, better sex education in this country. (laughs) I'm Brandon. And I'm Patricia. And today, we are discussing Comedy Central's Strangers with Candy. The series was first envisioned by Amy Sedaris as a parody of after-school specials. While she was putting together a pitch for the series, her friends Paul Danello and Stephen Colbert watched a bootleg copy of a scared straight type public service film called The Trip Back, in which motivational speaker Flory Fisher recalled, among many other things, her days as a New York City sex worker to a group of high school students. Seeing that Fisher strongly resembled their friend, Amy Sedaris, they showed her a copy of the tape, and Amy quickly had an impression down. 
together, they all began developing the series based around the idea of Fisher going back to high school herself. Much of Jerry Blank's past is taken from antidotes in the trip back, some of which are also in Fisher's autobiography, The Lonely Trip Back. Several lines of dialogue in the series were taken verbatim from Fisher's public service film. Uh, for Brandon's reference, what? I included a photo. Yeah, uh, this woman, first of all, I'm going to read this book. I put it on my list. <laughs> like, The Lonely Trip Back sounds wild. <laughs> um, so, like, this show, uh, first of all, huge fan. I was a huge fan when it was on Comedy Central. I'm a huge fan today. The style of humor is specific. Like, the Strangers with Candy style of humor is unique to other styles of humor. Brandon, would you agree? 100%. 100%. Like, for me, I feel like the characters in Stranger with Can- Strangers with Kennedy are like, or the actors, I should say, are earnestly portraying those characters. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're, yes. there's like, okay. Like, it's camp because they are believing in, like, this world. Exactly. And it's 1999, so it's almost like a reality show. Like, Jerry Blank frequently breaks the fourth wall and talks specifically to the audience. Like a reality show confessional. So, like, if this show was made two or three years later, it would have been like The Office. Like, they just would have said it, they just would have, like, uh, shot it documentary style. Don't you think? Yeah, I could totally see that. A hundred percent. It is very much like now that you say that, I'm like, oh, yeah, she does break the fourth wall a lot. (laughs) And it is like a confessional. Also, like reality shows, the show handles, quote unquote, shocking topics. And they handle it with uh, (laughs) with humor that is often un-PC, inappropriate. Uh, Jerry herself is frequently racist. Uh, uh, ignorant, <laughs> a million other things. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, homophobic, uh, yeah, homophobic. Lots of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically all the bad things you can think of. Jerry Blake is. So as we continue talking about it, a bit of a trigger warning. Like uh, this humor and language is dated and is no longer appropriate. But if you can look at it as satire, which is what it's trying to be, I would encourage you to do that. Amy Sedaris, Stephen Colbert, Paul Dinello, and Mitch Rouse were cast in the short-lived Comedy Central series Exit 57. Brandon, any memories of Exit 57? I don't believe so, but I, I mean... Me either. And I was is, kind of a yeah. Comedy Central kid, but I don't. it's not ringing any bells for me. Every script of Strangers with Candy was written by Amy Sedaris and uh, Paul Dinello as a team very occasionally working with collaborators such as Mitch Rouse or Reno 911's Thomas Lennon. Stephen Colbert eventually received a co-writing credit on the unaired pilot and later on the prequel movie, but he did not work as a writer on the series proper, if that makes sense. Yeah. This cast is very funny, so let's talk about them. Series star is Amy Sedaris. Born in Endicott, New York, to Sharon and Lou Sedaris, she grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina, with her five siblings, Lisa, David, Gretchen, Tiffany, and Paul. So she's one of six. Brandon, you're one of six? Yeah. Love it. That's wild. What does she fall in, do you know? 
I think that she is right in the middle. If I remember correctly. As a teenager, Amy's first job was at the local Winn-Dixie supermarket, where she would make fake announcements over the loudspeaker. Now, this is a coincidence because (laughs) my early job, (laughs) Brandon already knows what's happening. One of my early jobs was at a store that, for legal reasons, I'll refer to as Bargain. One evening, I was working the closing shift at guest services, and Brandon was there to pick me up because we were going to a hotel. You asked me something about a hotel party. Yeah, we were going to a hotel party. Is that right? I believe so. I think so. It sounds about right. We were doing hotel parties around that time. Hotel parties were very popular at the time, yeah. So if anyone has ever made closing announcements at a, you know, big store or something, you've got 15 minutes before closing, 10 minutes before closing, 5 minutes before closing. So I make the first two announcements. No problem. I make them all the time. I work at guest services all the time. It's not weird or hard or difficult for me to do. But I got my friends at my counter. And Brandon has got me giggling up a storm over something stupid. I cannot remember what it was. But long story short, I get on to make the five minute announcement and I totally like, like giggle snort and then panic about what to like, totally forget what to say. And I think I just end up screaming into the microphone, bring your things to the front. (laughs) And then I hung up. (laughs) And Brandon broke my balls about it for two years straight. Did you get fired for that? No. Absolutely not. I could do every function at the store. Uh, So they were like, no, it's fine. And I had made mistakes before. Talking into the loudspeaker at a store is nerve-wracking. There's a hundred million people in the store. It's weird. Uh, So I was never super into making the announcements. I feel like if the... Well, I mean, they already had a show called Superstore, uh, which I absolutely adore. (laughs) Superstore's great. You would be very much uh, the Garrett of the Target. I don't know. Yeah. I was only there yeah, to bother you whenever I show up to work. I, Garrett, for those who don't watch it, you should definitely watch Superstore. It's a good show. We're not getting paid to promote this, but I did yeah, enjoy I it. Wish. Uh, it's just like the guest services guy doesn't need to make all the announcements. It's very sarcastic. Fun. Yeah. He makes all the announcements. He's super funny. Love Garrett. So back to Paul and Amy and Steven. The trio bonded while they were on tour with Second City. But by their retelling, the three comedians did not get along at first. Paul Danello thought Colbert was uptight, pretentious, and cold. While Stephen Colbert thought Danello thought of Danello as a semi-literate thug. The trio eventually discovered that they all shared sort of a similar comedic sensibility, and they stayed close ever since. Paul Danello was originally from Chicago. And he was the head writer of Strangers with Candy. People on set would kind of defer to Paul. Like the trio, well, Amy, there were a lot of people involved. But Paul Danello was sort of the creative mind behind Strangers with Candy. Like him and Amy really worked together. But Paul sort of took the lead a lot, like on set. I was just saying, I like that. Look at that. And, you know, it always has to happen. You know, let one person be in charge. It's hard when there's lots of people in charge. A hundred percent. Just to me, people. Too many cooks in the kitchen, girl. <laughs> um, Paul also starred on the show as the emotional 
self-involved art teacher Jeffrey Jellinger. When it eventually became time for a Strangers of Candy movie, Paul directed and produced the film, along with co-writing it with Amy and Stephen Colbert. Paul and Amy dated for eight years during the 90s. They broke up, but the pair still remained close. Amy is godmother to Paul's children, and together they created the delightful At Home with Amy Sedaris, which I highly recommend. History teacher Chuck Noblet <laughs> is, <laughs> is played by Stephen Colbert, Colbert, who grew up in South Carolina. At 10 years old, two of his brothers and his dad passed away in a plane crash. Holy and the tragedy, shit. Yeah, yeah. Really, really bad. Uh, and the tragedy was super hard on the rest of the family, of course. How could it not be? Wow. Stephen found an outlet for his grief by escaping into, fan- into fantasy. He loved fantasy books, uh, but really, he honed his improv skills while playing Dungeons and Dragons. Wow, he's a D&Der, huh? He's a D&Der, obviously. Come on. Uh, my favorite fun fact about Stephen Colbert is that he's an Episcopalian, and I am also an, Episcop- an Episcopalian, <laughs> and I love that. I kind of love that too, dude. While Sedaris and uh, Danello were working on the pitch for Strangers with Candy, Stephen Colbert was working on the Dana Carvey show. We should do a whole episode on the Dana Carvey show, because there was a lot of uh, successful people working on that show. I like Dana Carvey. I do too. No, just say it was a good show. Well, I think I've seen it before. I may be misremembering and just thinking of uh, SNL as a kid. Could be. I mean, also great. Stephen Colbert has, of course, gone on to become a leading television comedian. His Fox News satire, The Colbert Report, aired for 11 seasons on Comedy Central. Before Colbert was selected to take over for David Letterman on The Late Show, which he has hosted since 2015 and continues to do so. I think that show is wildly successful. Yeah. I always see clips of, like, Colbert doing something. He's having... Yeah. He's successful, to say the least. Yeah. What I love even more is that Paul Danello has been with Colbert ever since. He worked on The Colbert Report, and now he works on The Late Show. And I love that. Really? Yeah. yeah, just like friends working together. What are you doing? Let's do this. I love that. I'm saying, dude, you already know how he works. You guys have a good relationship. Like you laugh at the same things. Laughing at the same things is the backbone of any relationship, in my opinion. So cue the strangers do, 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 right after this quick commercial break. I took all this stuff with me to Little Wall. Like, I took my work laptop, I took a podcast laptop, I had all my recording stuff, had my headphones, didn't touch the bag one time. Like, the whole bag, didn't even touch uh, it. Me either, bro. Should have just not even brought it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you probably shouldn't have, but you have <laughs> better intentions than I did. I didn't even bring the bag or any of the information to, or information, well, any like, of the equipment to. I was like, strangers with candy, this is a topic I, like, this is a easy, this is an easy one. But I, just, I was like, surely I'll work on it. Nope. Did not. Did not work on it. So it's New Year's this weekend. Brandon, do you have New Year's plans? No. 
I am going to eat a bunch of candy that Dope. I ordered online from different countries, and I'm going to enjoy TV and not do anything because I travel. And yeah, I travel for both Thanksgiving and Christmas, so I just want to not do anything for one holiday. Ditto. Uh, truth be told, my inner uh, get off my lawn old man is that I don't give a shit about New Year's. Like, <laughs> not a single shit. Don't give a shit. <laughs> like, some bad if you New Year's. To, I've had some bad New Year's, and it's just a no. It's a no for me, dog. Y'all enjoy it. Have a great time. I will be in bed by 11. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Ain't nothing good that happened at midnight. I mean, I used to have a lot of fun partying and things like that. And also just like going out to dinner, too, on like New Year's is a lot sure. of fun. I would love to do that, but I don't have to. I also can just order in and chill with the dogs. I feel like if I have all these pets, I better spend some time with them, you know? For sure. Did your family have any New Year's traditions when you were growing up? Yeah, uh, so my parents always have a New Year's party. Essentially, they just host people to come over there or whatever. And my mom always buys the non-alcoholic, like, Welch's grape juice. Hell yeah. And she calls it kid wine. Um, and all the kids, even to this day, get hyped when that's brought up for them to drink during New Year's. Because they, I don't know why, but kids are like, oh, I'm drunk. Because <laughs> it's just sparkling wine. Kids are silly. I used to do that when I was a kid. I'd be like, oh my god. Um, your drunk, your okay. parents, your parents are fantastic hosts. I bet that's a great time. Um, my family, Sue, was always really fun about New Year's. Like we could always stay up. She didn't give a shit how late we stayed up, yeah. and she would always do like fun. What my as a kid I thought were like grown up foods. Like we would do shrimps, like some sort of seafood, and then we would do like little hors d'oeuvres. Like Sue always turned it out for for New Year's and we would always have the sparkling apple cider that came in that dark green Ooh, bottle. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Is Yum. that Martinelli's? Yes, that is what it is. Good one. Delicious. And we look forward to that all year. Yeah. It was a big deal. We would go to uh, Price Club, which is what Costco has become. Go to, Pri go to Price Club and she would get a double bottle of the sparkling cider and we would be very excited. Dude, what's up with like sparkling things and kids loving it? I fucking used to Here's the thing. That sparkling cider and sparkling Welch's grape juice are both still really good. I've had both recently. Bruh, I was just at the grocery store the week before Christmas, and they have, like, six flavors now of that stuff. Get they out have, of like, town. Oh, yeah. They have, like, sparkling pineapple, sparkling mango. Like, they had all sorts of different. <gasps> I oh almost bought all of them because I love that shit. Seriously. Oh, my gosh. That'd be cute. And I think it was just, like, special. Like, that was the only time of the year we got that stuff. You know what I mean? So it was always a big deal. So that's sort of perfect for today's episode. We're talking Season 1, Episode 1, Old Habits, New Beginnings. That really is uh, a perfect. Like, it really worked out. And, guys, that was just on accident. Like, that just worked out. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you would like to watch Strangers with Candy, I believe the whole run, all three seasons, is on Paramount+. Plus. The episode starts like all the episodes start. We see 46-year-old Jerry Blank at a high school anti-drug rally, where she breaks the fourth wall and talks straight to us. Uh, really quickly, while we're talking, yeah. not to get too far off track, Martinelli's has sparkling, like, cherry juice oh my gosh 
It's called Blush. Yeah, Sparkling Blush. It's called Blush. How romantic. Right? Blush You should get some for Valentine's Day. Oh, that'd be cute, right? Uh, Sparkling Apple Mango, Sparkling Peach Cider. These sound delicious. I told you, man. if you want to sponsor me, I'm into it. Because I... I will speak very highly of your product, as I'm doing now, not being sponsored. Exactly. Also, way to diversify. Like, good job taking your standard flagship product and making more stuff A+. A+. Really smart. Yeah. I'm sure they listen to their consumers. (laughs) Capitalism. Gary explains that since her recent release from jail... She has returned to the old life that she gave up so long ago. For 32 years, Jerry lived the life of a teenage runaway. But now she's living back at home and has re and has re-enrolled as a freshman at Flashpoint High. One of the reoccurring dreams I have as an adult, as an almost 40-year-old old woman, I have a dream all the time that I have to go back to high school for some reason. It's Whoa. usually centered around Algebra 2. Like, something was, like, <laughs> I didn't pass Algebra 2, and I have, like, my high school. I have to go back and finish that credit, and I have to go back to my physical high school, which is in a town I don't live in anymore. <laughs> it's um, fucked up. Is it, like, never been kissed? Are you, like, are you, you're still an adult, right? Like, I'm still this. an ancient adult, and all of the children think I'm, like, a substitute teacher, <laughs> and I sit down, and it's my same teacher, Miss Branch, who did not like me. Fair enough. Uh, it's not a cool dream. It's not a good time. Like, I do not have a good time. Wow. People, okay, I don't remember high school. Like, I know I'm a burnout, but I'm like, was I that much of a burnout that, like, memories of high school just aren't there anymore? Especially since you really celebrated high school. You were super popular. You were really involved. Sure. I was also you like, got a superlative. That's I did, how, but I was also like, like, I don't talk to these kids. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, y'all. That's not true, but for the most part, I was like, I'm hanging out with 20-year-olds from the internet. Bye. <laughs> you had your your small, dedicated group of friends who you loved very much. You keep up with a lot of your high school friends. Like, don't play. No, I'm not. Shout out to Bud. Shout out to Bud. Shout out to Chaz. Shout out to Chaz. Chaz is a Chaz and Bud are both middle school friends though too. Yeah, they go way back. It's wild. Yeah, it's wild. Actually, funny enough, speaking of when this came out, Bud, Chaz, and I were all at the same middle school at the same time. Oh, um, that's cute. Yeah, while well, this show came out, April nineteen ninety nine, I would say I was eleven, almost twelve. Probably. Here's a real test of your memory. Do you remember what classes you had with Bud and what classes you had with Chaz? I know I had gym class with Chaz, so that would have been that year. Maybe not that semester, because, like, our superlative, not superlative, is that what you call a class? Elective. Elective, thank you, uh, would shift from semester to semester or grading period to grading period. So every time we got a report card, that happened. Um, And then me and Bud, I think we had, like, English class together. That's so sweet. I'm we so had, jealous. Maybe had reading. Oh my god, we did have reading together because we had a permanent substitute teacher, and Bud knows who I'm talking about right now. And we were so terrible to this poor man. Like we threw his grade book out the window. We um, locked him out. Of I've class heard the once. grade book story. 
Yeah, we were wild. I'm just saying. I remember one time somebody threw a trash can from the third floor onto, <laughs> like, from the boys' bathroom down to the first floor. And then we got all, like, all the eighth grade boys got pulled into the auditorium to get called out. Um, and what's wild is, like, my my principal at the time was one of my really good friends from high school's aunt. So, like, oh, wow. yeah. April 99, I was six months into, I was six months post move from California to Kentucky, start high school. So April of my freshman year, this would have been a great time of transition for Patricia. (laughs) So Jerry Blank, she just wants to be popular. But nobody in Mr. Noblet's history class is interesting in accepting her invitation to the party she's throwing this upcoming weekend. Even after she tells them, there's going to be hot fruit. (laughs) That's a good Jerry impression. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, We had a friend in college who could make a really funny Jerry Blank face. Yeah, we did. That is so true. Um, I'm always very, anytime I see every, any Halloween, I see somebody dressed as Jerry Blank. I'm immediately like, you're great. A plus. Everything you're doing is fantastic. (laughs) I would like for you to go Sherry Blank for Halloween. I think you could do a good Jerry. I think um, sometimes I just look like Jerry Blank on accident. <laughs> um, like, my hair is kind of similar to Jerry Blank's hair. <laughs> and I'm also into layering right now. Like, I think sometimes I look more like Jerry than, um, than maybe is great. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. Uh, bad news, Jerry's classmates are not interested, and she doesn't get any takers. Jerry seems to be as much of a pariah to the faculty as she is to the student body. Mr. Noblet expresses concern about Jerry's party because he tells her that she's failing his class. Or is in danger of failing his class. Even though they're only three days into the term. That got me. (laughs) We've only been here three days. So this scene is a really good example of the humor I'm talking about. So first of all, it's absurd, right? Like, you can't be failing after three days. So that's a that's a clutch of Strangers with Candies jokes. They're absurd. On top of that, when Stephen Colbert holds up the proof, dramatically holds up the proof that she's failing the class, it is a <laughs> stamp-sized piece of paper that has no writing on it. <laughs> it's just like, it's an act out that doesn't make any sense. And that's another kind of Strangers with Candy uh, characteristic, I feel. At her locker, Jerry tries to ingratiate herself with the popular girl, Poppy Downs, by inviting her to mini strokes for some putt putt. But Poppy <laughs> excuses herself that she has to go to a homecoming crown fitting. I mean, Jerry was trying to get. She, Jerry's, she did yeah, a lot. Jerry's trying really hard. Yeah, Jerry's trying really hard. You want to play some putt putt? <laughs> One part of Jerry Blank's uh, character is that she's sort of a sexual pariah. Like, if she wants to have sex with you, she is going to make that terribly known. And that doesn't matter if you're a man, a woman. Like, uh, Jerry's a sexual being. <laughs> yeah, she really is. Um, because for watching this episode, you know, you put it on and then 10 episodes play a couple episodes down the line. I'm not even going to bring it up because it's fucked up. No, dude, I can cut it out for you. I know. Which, first of all, let's talk about it, but we can take it out. 
We literally watched ten episodes as well. So what, what episode are you talking about? When she gets into when she has the baby assignment and she gets into <laughs> she becomes an abusive husband to the redhead. <laughs> You're stupid, I was yes. dying. Like it was killing me. I'm like, this shit is fucking funny. Like it's wrong. It's in, it's inappropriate. But god damn it, I was laughing so hard. <laughs> that is funny. Uh, one thing we haven't really brought up yet. Uh, Jerry is supposed to be a 46-year-old woman. All of the high, Some of the high school students are played by children. But also some of the students are like 90210 high school students where they're like 24, 25. But they're supposed to be much younger than Jerry. So they make efforts to make Jerry look really old and to make everybody else look really young. So she, like, left school, obviously, 14, I guess, it's when you're a freshman. Yeah. Wow. Jerry Blanks had a hard life. She's done a lot of living. She stole the TV. Did some more time. <laughs> stole the TV. I'll try to make sure in the show post that there's, like, a breakout of the opening, of, the, like, the opening credits and the opening monologue where we learn about Jerry, because it's all great. I should have read it at the top of the episode. Uh, Jerry's only friend, Orlando, doesn't think that she should be bending over backwards to def- to befriend the popular girls. He tells her that she should that she should hear the kind of things they say about her behind her back. This friendly advice does not dissuade Jerry, though she does seek the advice of the art teacher, Mr. Jellyneck. Mr. Jellyneck makes me laugh all the time. Again, the art that he's doing is always just wild. Like, the, <laughs> I love it. Mr. Jellyneck makes me laugh. Uh, Mr. Jellyneck tells Jerry to just go with what you know in order as <laughs> like a way to make friends. You know. Go with what you know. Jerry stops by her locker to bemoan to her best friend, Shelly the Turtle, before going into the bathroom where she runs into the cool girls, Poppy, Cody, and Brittany. She tries to make conversations with them about cockfights and female troubles, (laughs) but is unsuccessful. Poppy's friends slink away, and Jerry plays her trump card. She offers to whip up a batch of drugs that'll make Poppy trip her tight little ass off. (laughs) The idea of making drugs to impress the cool kids is funny. Dude, go with us, you know, and Jerry is... (laughs) That is wild. Um, a couple things with this. <clears throat> a couple things with this. Yeah. Poppy and her friends were being bitches about Jerry. They didn't have to Super do that bitches. to her. They were making fun of her. Uh, I felt bad for Jerry. Like, Me too. I mean, she's had a hard time. She's just trying to make friends. Yeah. Y'all jerks. Uh, Poppy seems doubtful, but she accepts the offer. That night, after consulting the urn that contains her dead mother's ashes, interesting. Jerry concocts a batch of home, a batch of her homemade glint, which is her <laughs> homemade drug that she's made out of household cleaners. Bad, not good stuff. She I've had fills glint a bucket. <laughs> I'm just kidding. kidding. She fills a plastic bag with the substance, and the next day, in the locker room before gym class, Poppy spreads a little too much of the glint on her lips, 
and is cris- and is quickly tripping balls as promised. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, hi, it's just your cool Aunt Patricia here. Um, homemade drugs are probably always a no. Like it's probably yeah. always a bad idea. Like I'm gonna go with the don't do it. Um, furthermore, if you've never done a drug and someone offers you the drug, don't do a lot of it. <laughs> like, let's tiptoe into that pool. Also, get it tested. Like, any, yeah, yeah. Don't just do a drug because somebody gave it to you. Like, really check that shit out because a lot yeah. of things are laced. Or, yeah. I'm not going to get into it, but. Yeah, it gets scary. Just stay away from it. <laughs> They're in gym class. And Poppy impresses Coach Wolf by shooting straight up the climbing rope. Ah, <laughs> that's freaky as fuck. <laughs> it gave me exorcist vibes. I did not appreciate it. Yeah. Principal Blackman is certain that when Poppy emerges from the from her coma, she will reveal the name of the responsible party. With murder on her mind, Jerry goes to visit Poppy in the hospital to make sure she won't open her big mouth. After entering Poppy's room, Jerry pulls the plug out of the wall of her life support, which causes the patient next to the bed to gasp and groan. (laughs) Jerry realizes that she pulled the wrong plug and loses her nerve. Then a male nurse appears and, assuming Jerry is Poppy's uncle, uh, informs Jerry that Poppy passed away an hour ago. The next day at school, Principal Blackman gathers the students together to discuss the tragedy and to dedicate a time capsule in Poppy's honor. Jerry takes advantage of the situation and asks to see a show of hands of who would like to attend her Poppy Downs memorial party. Of course, all the hands go up. Jerry, good job. (laughs) Flip it. Like, yeah. good thinking. Good thinking on her feet. Go with what you know. Jerry, like, I mean... She's an opportunist. I like that about her. 100%. At the party, Jerry tries to make out with Poppy's boyfriend, Brad. And she tries to convince Poppy's grieving parents that she was Poppy's best friend. The party is a success until Amber, one of the guests, tells Jerry that the hot fruit, (laughs) promised in Mr. Noblet's class, uh, is making her lips go numb. Jerry realizes that the bowl the fruit is in is the same bowl she used to make her homemade drugs. Everyone is slowly getting stoned. Another party guest has found Shelly the turtle and is tossing her back and forth with another stoned party guest. The turtle meets a tragic end when she is swatted with a golf club through a glass patio door. The funniest part of the scene is after the turtle goes out the glass door, Jerry breaks through the glass door herself following <laughs> the turtle. I do love that bit, yes. Man, they did Shelly wrong. Shelly was an innocent bystander in all this. Number one. Number two, Shelly is a great name for a turtle. It took me like t- like way too long before I was like, oh, punny, shell, turtle, Shelly. Really funny. But it took me a shockingly long time to get the joke. In the end, Poppy's parents have lost a child, and Jerry has lost a turtle. Who can say which is the greater loss? <laughs> and that's just how the episode... The ep- and then the episode ends with the fun music and dancing. Each episode ends with dancing, and I love the, epi- the dancing at the end. Sometimes it's choreographed dancing, and I'm really impressed. 
Yeah, that is a great, like, finish, polish off of an episode. <laughs> yeah. Strangers with Candy ran for three seasons, but the audience never really showed up, and most critics didn't have anything nice to say about the show. Despite that, the, the show's three leads, Stephen Colbert, Amy Sedaris, and Paul Dinello, had the time of their lives. They say that they had basically no supervision from Comedy Central. And they were just, they were clearly just let to do whatever they wanted to do. Great situation. Right? So after the first season, they didn't know they are going to make a second season until like two days before show started. Like, Comedy Central was not invested in the show. So they just kind of got to do whatever they want until they eventually got canceled after three seasons. That's wild. I feel like there's so much Strangers with Candy, but... The show has since achieved a real cult following. In 2006, the prequel, Strangers with Candy movie, was released, but only made about $2 million at the box office. When asked if we will ever see Jerry Blank again, Amy Sedaris said, She's like a rash. You'll never know when she's going to pop up. Jerry Blank in 2023 would be a trip. Would be a trip. (laughs) I mean, Jerry Blank probably has not finished high school yet. (laughs) <laughs> I can't remember if she graduated. What if she dropped out? What if she dropped out and then at 66, she decided to go back to high school again? <laughs> ah, Jerry it. making TikToks and stuff. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You, Amy Sedaris, we'll write this for you right now. Listen, we'll write it. We'll write, we'll, we will write the spec script. I think it's going to be hard to get Colbert involved. He's a busy guy, but... Maybe he'll like we, it. We can replace him. I'm sorry. I said Ooh, it. I love it. <laughs> I mean, Danello's also busy. They're all busy. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't know why I'm pretending like we have any pull. Like, well, At Home with Amy Sedaris is pretty popular. It also kind of has a cult following. It's like a spoof uh, HGTV kind of show where Amy cooks things and crafts things. It's adorable. Yeah, we have a lot of her um, books, like coffee table type books. Involving I love it. her crafts and her recipes. This is a pro Amy Sedaris podcast. Truly and honestly. Um, what's your favorite Amy Sedaris role other than Strangers with Candy? Oh my gosh. It might not be my favorite, but it's just been Christmas. Uh, happy holiday if you celebrate. Uh, at home with my mom. My mom hates wrapping presents. So I have been wrapping the family's presents since I was like eight years old. I love it. It's great. Uh, when I was wrapping presents, we were watching Elf, and Amy Sedaris plays James Conn's secretary in that movie, where oh she has, like, five lines, but her opening line, she's on the phone with somebody, and she goes, oh, I don't know, I've never declawed kittens before. <laughs> okay, bring them to the trailer, and we'll see what we can do. And then she hangs up, and that's the fucking funniest part of Elf. I die every time. <laughs> Every no, that's time. pretty good. That's pretty good. I wonder if she ad-libbed that. I feel like she had to have. <laughs> I was trying... We were talking about how iconic the clothes and wigs and hair and makeup uh, of Strangers with Candy is of Jerry Blank. And I was trying to figure out who designed it, but I think the... I think all those were ideas were, were Amy Sedaris's ideas. Like, she wow, just really? go to thrift shops. I think so. I couldn't... If you know, write in and tell us. Because I couldn't find an exact answer. But that's what I think the situation was. And that checks out. Amy is wildly creative. On top of being dumb funny. Yeah, truly. 
Uh, one of my favorite Amy Sedaris characters is actually on 30 Rock, where it's the Unwind You Likes episode. Do you know which yes. one I'm talking about? Yes. Where it's like Jimmy Buffett fans, and she's just, uh, yeah, she's wild. Doesn't she also play the real estate agent on Broad City? Yes, Pam. She's I was really just, good in that, too. She's really good on that. I was just thinking that. <laughs> I, love, I love Amy Sedaris. I, she's fucking hilarious. Oh, her character on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt was also really good. Yes. Just BRB, just celebrating Amy Sedaris's catalog all winter long. Truly, really honestly, dude. Uh, we haven't seen it, but Happy New Year. Because this should be coming out around New Year's. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Brandon. Yeah. Happy New Year, Patricia. And Happy New Year, listeners. <laughs> Thank you all for tuning in. And if you have any questions, suggestions, or embarrassing confessions please send us an email at thewaybackrecap at gmail.com. That's thewaybackrecap at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at thewaybackrecappod. If you'd like to support the show or listen to bonus content, exclusive episodes, visit our Patreon page. Our original cover art is by Laura Strobish. Uh, remember, wherever you listen to podcasts, follow or subscribe to The Wayback Recap. If you enjoy yourself, please rate and review the show, but if that's too much... We totally get it. Tell a friend. Preferably a responsible friend who will write and review the show. And join us next time. I'm Brandon. And I'm Patricia. And on behalf of the Wayback Recap, take, take care, care of each, each other, other y'all. y'all.